right, everybody, welcome back to another wonderful edition of the GGWP, which is, of course, Chase, you want to you wanna bring it out? Yeah, I think it has something to do with some geeks that game, perhaps across the world, and uh, talk every once in a while on a podcast. I think that would be the, the good uh, summary of the Geeks and Gaming Worldwide podcast. I think you might be right. Now, unfortunately, we are one geek uh, and gaming person down. Uh, Magical is unfortunately a little bit ill. He had some work recently. He's blown his throat out, so we don't want him to sound like he's smoking a pack a day. So uh, we're going to let him get some rest and recuperation. First of all, thank you for uh, bearing with us through a drought week as well. Um, going forward, we'll have a little bit of extra content for you guys in the event that it happens. But we are back. We're ready. And we uh, I learned a little bit about what you do on the regular, Chase. It's uh, true. Because Con this last week, I, I did a journalism. Congratulations. You're, you're a real... You did a real journalism. And I feel like it was important, but that nobody cares. <laughs> Just like real journalism. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, you did do some interviews for Unicorn, uh, who, which is the site I'm obviously the soon, lead editor soon to be, for. Soon to be on unicorn.com. Yeah. I will link it as well. Uh, we're not sponsored by Unicorn, but at this point, we might as well be. Yet. Who knows? Future future us. Yeah. Time will tell. But yeah, no, look, uh, it was oh, a pleasure like working with you this weekend. What do you... Like, I obviously... I know the whole rigmarole, but for people who maybe are listening at home and are curious about how the other half lives... How, what would you say hmm. your your experience? Half, what surprised the other you? Half, like half yeah. of the people are journalists. That's a large well, no, assessment. No, like you're saying like you were on the broadcast side. Oh, now I see you're, what you're on saying. the journalist yeah, yeah. side. For, for those of you that don't know exactly what the heck I'm talking about, I went to the LCS with Unicorn this past weekend uh, and engaged in some good old fashioned interviewing for the purpose of writing some articles. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as as for those of you who don't know, I officially live in LA. This is why Chase and I can do this in the same place now. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, okay, my experience was, uh, I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of this, right? But mostly mm -hmm. with, like, you know, with Riot behind me. Doing it for a different outlet. It's interesting because you kind of, like, feel like you're a guest in someone's house. And you're going there and you're you're talking to the players, some of which you know and some of which will recognize you for the most part. And it's, it's a little more freeing in the sense that you can ask all sorts of bullshit uh, <laughs> to kind of warm people up. It's not on camera. You don't have to worry about it. Like, it's a little bit more like making content but also because it's written you really don't have to care if the answers aren't all that great you don't need multiple takes of it you get a genuine reaction in the moment um and you just don't see yeah. the bad answers right like no, exactly like if if we you screwed up anything. you will have no idea i don't even know what the questions were <laughs> yeah so it's cool um it is interesting i will say it's a lot of work i spent all of yesterday writing 70 percent of an article about broxa Holy shit, it's difficult. Mm. Yeah, this is the fun part for me because obviously, like, having done this for years and years, I'm used to, like, the turnaround and the process of breaking all this stuff down pretty quickly. So seeing, like, your journey through it, it's obviously, like, you come from a different end of the spectrum. It's been kind of... I, I wish I'd been able to spend more time with you mm. on it, but I am... It was good. Hey, we, we got what? Like seven? We got seven interviews. interviews which you, you told me is like a little above average in a week? Yeah, I, it was slightly better than the last time I did. You had two on your own. And we got TSM to agree to one. We did. We had they don't normally do that, if I recall. Uh, that it, they, they're very infamous for refusing interviews. Shout out to Kavi, the first interview that a, a T, uh, Unicorn has had with a TSM player. Yeah, um, it's good stuff. Yeah, it turns out um, it's good to talk to multiple outlets so that when they're telling your story, you have a say in how that story is told. Though, uh, spoiler alert for that Kabi interview, 
I don't know that all that's going so great. I don't know that any of, the, of these teams yeah. in the LCS other than well, Cloud9 sounded happy. He had a win, and he was like very like uh, about a lot of it. Broxa, by the way, though, he just seemed happy to be there. And yeah. now, to be fair, I know a little bit uh, personally. Broxa is a lot more of like a calm and kind of thoughtful guy. Like he's he's very unflappable, if you will. And I think that kind of like always shines through in any interview he does. Like he doesn't he doesn't get like an outburst. Like he has an imposing figure he's a big dude mm -hmm. but he's like a gentle giant if you will you know he's like very calm he's very chill and i think he was just relieved to actually have his visa issue resolved because god that must have sucked it's a nightmare i haven't been through that visa process when i got my job to coach in istanbul like it is a miserable experience you feel like your entire life is on hold and that there's nothing you can do and with broxa the amount of money that's on the line right and the uh, the impact of not being there, being set back and being unable to really build the communication system. Because even if you're able to be on a call and maybe go over some notes and scrims about some strategy stuff, um, it's not the same, uh, certainly. And so it's it's real tough. Um, yeah. I am very happy for him that he's now here. I think that uh, we finally saw them grab a win on the last day of uh, games this week. Yeah, so, and they actually got a very, uh, I think, convincing one. Like, a, a lot of my article I actually had to change a little bit, um, even though my, well, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, it, it kind of reinforced my thesis, but not the direction I was writing, so mm -hmm. it actually helped. Anyways, Will, I don't want to get too deep into that, but it, there, was an it was an experience, and it was an interesting one. Is there a favorite moment that you don't think is going to get into an article or a podcast if we did not Ooh. bring it up now? Because I have one right now off the top of my head. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe one of the Vulcan questions? It's the Vulcan. Yeah, that was you, the you one for me, me, too. Me. Yeah, so uh, at one point, we asked Vulcan what champion he would delete from the game <laughs> if he had the You're opportunity. You're not going to use that? I mean, we bite, but it's going to be a while, so I want to yeah, share okay. it anyway. Tell, tell everyone this, what This said. is a GGWP advanced preview. Tell your friends, people. This is some, some P content. Like and subscribe. He, uh, we asked him what champion he would uh, eliminate from the game if he had the ability to do so. And at first he said Zoe, but then said, actually, never mind. Niski's a Zoe one trick. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Which was just so perfectly done. Completely unprompted. Um, this is the kind of thing that you get uh, when you talk to players like in like a closed environment in like a chill like we literally just go into a room hit record on a voice memo app on our phone mm -hmm. and just have a conversation and like i think that's the type of thing that well you can build a really good rapport uh, in terms of doing like online interviews or like video interviews especially kinds that you edit it's not quite the same it's just getting the players like into a completely chill environment where they can just they can sit however they want they can say whatever they want and if they're like yeah don't use that it's like okay obviously we won't yeah. use that uh, but it's just so much chiller. And especially after a game when the players are usually just like, oh, do I have to do this? And mm -hmm. I'm not saying they're always like that, but like, that's how I would feel, mm -hmm. especially if I lost a game. We got a number of players that lost and we're like, yeah, I'll totally do an interview. Yeah, uh, out of the seven players we talked to, there was only one who I just, I wanted to give a hug. Um, Golden Glue, if you're out there, uh, thank you so much for talking he to me. He was a champion, That. Dude sucked i would not have wanted to talk to anybody after that game and he absolutely did and the, the poor guy just kind of wandered off in the end they're just very absent it, it was it was a hard it was a hard couple Got a days newfound for respect for golden glue huh? yeah it's it's been a hard couple days for them it's been a hard if you're a clg fan i think the league it's right still, now no, clg fans uh i think are actually used to this by the way uh <laughs> the whole clg disappointment uh, has been a constant theme even pre-franchising. I think you were Golden Guardians. It's it's been rough, but we expected them. I mean, I think a lot of people expected them to do very poorly, and they've done a little better than that. It's just 
It's just this was a bad week. Currently tied with Team Liquid, so give them that. Yeah. Look, well, I hey, mean, Team Liquid ended on a high note. At and least. as far as CLG goes, I know at least one pos- podcast that features uh, Unicorn writer uh, Jordan Marnie <laughs> and a couple other people from my Discord that had CLG as high as third. Want to give a little shout out to? Uh, it's not really a sister podcast, more of a cousin, I suppose. Yeah, the Rough Drafts Discord cousin podcast, doing its thing. Uh, Got the hiccups there, Chase. Major flaw that they put CLG third in their preseason rankings. Yeah, well, Don't you think know, that... we all, look, we all make mistakes. I had FlyQuest at like eighth, so... Yeah, man, if only someone had been here to tell you <laughs> that this FlyQuest... Yeah, but hold on, hold look, on. I got Dignitas, mm-hmm. correct? Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure my 100 Thieves is kind of right on the money. Uh, and my Team Solomit is actually currently correct because they started picking back up wins. No yeah. one saw Cloud9 being 10-0. and zero. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly... That's because Liquid fell off, so... Yeah, I thought it was just going to take a little bit more time. Um, And honestly, I think that one of the things that this season has reminded me is I don't know why we have the conversation about, like, oh, man, what is this value for players? Like, we're in baseball rules. Who cares if Vulcan got paid $1.5 million? I did before the season started. Uh, Guess what? It doesn't matter anymore. It's Cloud9's money, and they're 10 and 0. Yeah. They clearly they also, don't Cloud, regret Cloud9 also are like the team that over the last couple of years have made the most highlights for. Yeah, by the way, we have money, but we just had another successful venture round, and you're like, wait, how much do you have now? Like, these guys are getting more money than friggin' presidential candidates at this point. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, the stuff they're doing with Microsoft is really cool, right? All the tech sponsorship stuff they're doing. With also it. true. That's, I think that's a crossover that, like, it's kind of half-endemic, but not really because these are big companies right. that are, like, they are they do have roots and branches in gaming, but they're not, like, gaming adjacent. It's This isn't need for seat, you know? Yeah, just, just for the record, for those of you who care about things like uh, competitive integrity and separation of conflicts of interest, just... Let's make sure Cloud9 right now not in any eSport that involves Microsoft. I'm very curious to see if that changes over the next Halo. couple of years. So it's, I mean, yeah. That's a which... preview coming later in the episode. Uh, we do our own sound effects here on the GGWP. We don't add any post-production <laughs> because the, the editor is a Muppet. <laughs> yeah. Whoever that, that guy, guy is. Yeah, who who needs him? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go crown a corner. Um, <laughs> let's, keep, let's. What else? What else about the LCS right now? Like, so we talked about the experience. Now we've been there, but let's. Did, let's did you go feel differently watching the games in person versus watching well, at I mean, home? Did, I mean, did it help? I watched them 90% in the press room, and we shit talked with all of the other press people. I won't say exactly what was said and by whom because I'm going to not name names to protect the guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say it was just like watching on a couch with a bunch of my friends, mm-hmm. uh, or if you will, like being in the rough drafts discord <laughs> yeah yeah the lot of similarities up to and including me being the negative nancy talking about every how everyone is garbage you were also a little preoccupied for like half the day but it was still very enjoyable i mean and also to, shout out to a couple of guys that i hadn't seen in a while obviously the fantastic nick gracie from vinvin global yeah. as well as park so friend Sosley. of the pod yes but- friend of the pod and, and guest as well we're gonna try to get him on soon yes um yeah i mean and, and meeting some new people as well i think uh, also to the press coordinator, Gina, she was an absolute gem, helped us out with everything. Uh, you know, like for instance, we had, what was it? Uh, I, I think, uh, we had, uh, Ryoma who didn't realize he had two interviews, uh, had to come back and she had to go grab him again. And she was just like, no, 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 I got this, you know, just taking care of everything. Like, mm-hmm. and I know like it, it didn't always used to be quite as, uh, Hey, you know, everything is everything is going to be, like, super well handled, but I'm very impressed with how Riot does things now. Riot's improved. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's... I appreciate all the people uh, at the O location 
uh, who helped us out. I also will say, I think these LCS games are a lot better when you're only watching 15 to 20 minutes of them and half watching because you're prepping for interviews. I yeah. think that is that is the correct the amount of attention yeah. to pay to... Because after that point, it becomes NA Ram. Because there is one team in this region that is good right now and a couple teams that want to be good. Well, according to uh, the... Uh what is it, the power rankings, which of course don't include the LPL teams because you can't. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, ESPN Esports. I think it's like Cloud9 is like fifth or something. Okay. I don't. I know that doesn't really matter much because without the Chinese teams, it's kind of hard for it to actually be a thing. Well, you know, Team Liquid was so well ranked for most of last year, and you know how well they did at international. Yeah. Well, events. really lived maybe up we to the hype. Be, maybe we shouldn't be like calling out power rankings, considering ours. Uh, once again, linked in the show notes, as <laughs> always, because we, unlike other uh, cowardly outlets, we don't change our power rankings. We sit by them so that you, the listener, can ridicule us at your ex or at, at your leisure, if you will. Yeah. I mean, the good news about Team Liquid being four and six is that no one can ridicule anybody, right? We're all safe it's for it's now. So close. You know what? You know what the NA, uh, NA LCS is. I'm still thinking in terms of NA and EU. Mm -hmm. What uh, the LCS looks like right now, to me, it looks like the LMS from two years ago. Cloud Nine are flash wolves right now, mm -hmm. and everyone else kind of sucks because it's spring and no, nobody did boot camping properly except them, and everyone's trying to gel, and it just. It's going to take a while. I think NA probably won't pick itself back up until the end of the split or the summer. Well, and this is, I think, the biggest difference between North America and Europe. Because I do have some North American fans who are like, oh, well, it's not like Europe looks all that clean either. Which, to be fair, Europe does not look as clean as they have in the past. But here's the biggest difference, right? You look at the LCS and you see a whole bunch of teams grouped up around that 5-5, five and 4-6 five, and six mark. More than half of the league is hovering around 4 Which is crazy how much but, parity there is. Like, FlyQuest is the only other team that's really separated from the pack, and it's only by one game over TSM. Well, but if you look at Europe, right, all six teams that would currently make the playoffs are within a game of each other. It's just that all of those teams are good and in the winning ranks, and then where there's disparities Wait, that there Chase, are three teams Chase, at the bottom. Did you just call Mad Lions good? I'm... Yeah, because they are above Rogue, and they did just beat G two freaking esports. They, oh, is this our transition? Are we going to G, are we going to Europe now? I mean, I sure am happy to move on from North America whenever you give me the excuse to do so. Oh so. wow, okay. Uh, I, well, I mean, well, we usually oh, start with the LEC. Well, I will not say, this time. shout out to the LCS players, everyone who talked to us. I just I want to make it clear. I like the people. I like the stories. I think it matters. I think that when it comes to a pure analysis perspective. I think Europe's got a lot more just Look, every, you, you got to balance, you gotta balance your competitive region with your wildcard region, you know? Look, it's all you, good. You could argue, like, look, Excel is the difference between being a team and not being a team this season, which is exactly what I thought they were going to be. Just I mean, Mad Lions and Misfits jumped though. that there's, mark. There's a, couple of, there's a couple of things going on right now. Uh -huh. like just below Excel, uh, and I say just below because they're at 2-8. and eight. Yeah, Real um, bad. <laughs> Schalke started winning after they dropped not just Gilius... Not just Forgiven, but both of them. You know, I'm not the type... We're starting at the bottom. I'm not the type to bring out, like, the victory champagne all that often, but uh, called it on the Forgiven point. Hold on, hold on. Called it on the Forgiven point. You called that it was going to be, like, a bad thing, but I think... I think all three of us, to be honest, thought he was going to be like better skill-wise. The problem Forgiven had was not just necessarily attitude, which obviously we only see so much behind the scenes in the way he acts on Twitter, but his skill level just wasn't up to par anymore. So like basically you have this person who's in the same boat as Gilius where he talks big game and then doesn't deliver. It's almost like he spent years in the military, which is not conducive towards being the best League of Legends player in a modern era with infrastructure. Improve? 
<laughs> you don't have to aim, I know. I mean, look, uh, this is why I was skeptical of him. Like, I, I like I got crap early on in the season because I've been a forgiven hater historically. That's how I've been known. I once had to write a poem well, dedicated to forgiven. He's a very polarizing figure, right? There isn't a, there, there aren't a lot of tuned-in league fans that are like, yeah, the forgiven guy's like, okay, I guess. Look, Amazing said everything I need to say. Uh, apparently oh. forgiven forgot how to count because he thought that he signed a contract that apparently did like I thought a contract that was went for a whole on year Twitter, by the way and that, he went to that, that whole little exchange where like what was he saying like something like like something was like super clowny or whatever and then amazing just cuts him with like yeah it was something about the maths didn't add up and he's like yeah well we know about your maths because you think that a season is four games in and you know what Amazing is right. And those of you who have been following me since the rough drafts days know how rare it is that I say that sentence. Amazing is right. Forgiven, you signed a contract. The contract had dates through which you were expected to fulfill a task during which your job was to perform a certain level of duties. You were paid an amount of money you agreed upon. You know what? Yeah. Congrats. No, your career's but, over. I, so, I hope you enjoy so, it. Like, There's no way back from this. Like... Why would you take a chance I on thought, this guy I ever thought, again? I thought the announcement said something like they mutually parted ways sure. or something. But like, I didn't. No, no, no. She didn't break up with me. Uh, we agree, mutually yeah, agreed. I know, to but split I guess up. what I'm saying is like we're, we're we're acting as though the official line was that he quit, right? Rather well, you than were, he did you read his tweet longer? You know, I may have skimmed it. Yeah. So I mean, in the tweet longer, he basically said that the team didn't want to play the way that he wanted to, and so uh, he didn't think that they cared enough to win, and so he was tapping out. Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah, so I think I might have gotten the gist of it, but I didn't really put two and two together there because my yeah. mouth is apparently just as bad. Yeah, um, look, man, uh, last time I checked, when you signed the contract, it didn't say, I agree to get paid this money to work this many games unless I decide I don't like the direction the coaching staff is in, after which point I'll just bench myself two weeks into this. Like, that's not how any of this works. You're a professional. This is not the old days of League of Legends in which it's just a whole bunch of guys... Playing yeah, everybody, it, you know. I, you know, we've been a little, little burpy. A little we've got a little there. bit of yeah. There's... We got we got ourselves some cider for this. It's okay. We'll we'll bust another one out after the half. I'm just. I. It's very, it's very frustrating to see someone who, you know, basically got everything he could have asked for for a clean start. He had a team willing to take a shot on him with pedigree, with resources, with financial whatevers. And guess what? The second he left, and everyone started listening to what apparently Shulk wanted to do. Now they've won three of their last so, four games. It is almost like, perhaps forgiven, of the people that were holding this team back, it was not everyone but you. Perhaps. Perhaps. Well, lest we forget about Gilius in this equation. Uh, oh no, we forgot, and, we can and, forget yeah, about we can Gilius. Forget, yeah. He's so absolutely here's, here's, forgettable. Here's what I'm going to say, though. is like Obviously, this team is, despite being like two and eight, like starting to kind of come back into things a little bit now whether or not they make playoffs probably not no not story but three games here's, back here's what i here's what I, here's what i want to say though mm-hmm. i think this is completely on Schalke for fucking hiring them both in the first place you know you're not wrong i mean look i, I, I mean if they kept him as like a streamer and like ridden his brand to success Sure, but this was a complete walking back of everything Shalka wanted to do, and I'm just like, they, guys, they clearly didn't have guys, a plan. Why? I, I, you know, everyone thinks they're different, right? Everyone thinks, oh, we're the ones. We've got this. Sure, these other teams screwed up on this thing, but we have a good coaching staff. We have a reputation. We have. We've talked I mean, to this Shalka guy. Shalka is continuing a trend of just kind of not necessarily. Knowing how to sign the rosters they want. They pick up a lot of names just about every offseason that 
you know, end up not really panning out. They're like the opposite of Rocket. Yeah, look, you look at the list of former players that have gone through there, and it's a whole bunch of names you've heard that went on to do better once they left. I mean, this is a team yeah. that... You could also say that about Rocket, but for very different reasons. Yeah, but Rocket, you couldn't afford to keep them. and That's exactly. And this seems more like, well, we have the money, and we're just throwing together this collection of talent, and the talent's good, but talent doesn't win alone. And, you know... To, to go back to, to where you are going with Mad Lions, what we're seeing from Misfits right now, um, one of the things that's really surprised me in a, in a very pleasant way is how quickly these young guys are figuring it out. I think that I my assumption going into the season was that it was just going to take time, that the gap between the, the pros and these young guns was such that it was going to take a, a split to develop to get themselves to that point. But clearly... They're able to, one, I mean, Europe just continually develops talent after talent after talent, and apparently it's just a never-ending pool, um, because Europe's real good at this. Thank you. And they've got a lot of people. Yeah, thank you, EU Master System. Um, but second, I, I think that right now, the game is in such a state, we're in the modern era of League of Legends, where I think following a system, working together as a team, being on the same page, knowing what it is you want to do. I mean, we can say, like, without spoiling anything from our things, that's the theme that came up in every single interview we had at the LCS. Every single yeah. player right now, you're looking at the halfway point. It's which teams are coming together and know what they want to be and know how to come through as a team towards that win condition and which teams don't. And the teams that came in with identities, even if those players weren't as experienced as some others... The teams that came into the season and knew what they wanted to be are doing well right now. And the teams that came in as an amalgamation of players who didn't have a clear strategy but thought talent was going to save the day, well, uh, that's where we're at. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Go next fast. Yeah, and I think that's, that, that is the big difference. More, much more clearly in Europe than I think is in North America because you do have that divide. You've got your 2-8 and eight and your 1-9s. and nines. You've got Schalke, SK, and Vitality. Um, and you've got Excel, who's kind of straddling the line at 5-5. Five and five. Now, I don't really want to talk about them because I've already eaten a little bit of crow because I thought they were going to be the last place team, and they clearly weren't. But let's talk about everyone else because I kind of feel like we have our playoffs set already, even though it's only been five weeks. Uh, or is it six weeks? Either way, we've had, we've had enough uh, yes. a, a time here. But what's really interesting is we have this, you know, Mad Lions Rogue in the fifth mm -hmm. position tied together yep. uh, teams that have both you know picked up some surprise wins against opponents that are ranked above them but have also dropped the odd game here and there so there's clearly some edges to sharpen here so let's talk about these two because i already know you're on the rogue hype train and you have been from minute one yeah. where do you chase the rogue fan if you will because we mm -hmm. can go analyst chase as well but i think this is the one team i get to get this out of you great where where do we get uh our assertion or our assessment of, of current Rogue's form, and what do they need to do to get better than a just playoff bound team? Because you had them, I think, in the top three. Yeah, I did have them third. Um, I, I mean, honestly, like, what it's going to have to come down to is it's going to have to be some better performances from the top side of the map. I think Finn right now looks a little bit more like a weak link. I think that um, when you look at where the meta is right now, you're seeing Jungler spend a little bit more time on the bot lane, which is good because Hansama and Vander are both very but good. But it, it, it makes Finn look even worse. Right. Finn is Finn is not a guy who tends to play super safe and you can just kind of leave him on an island. He's someone that tends to perform significantly better when you can give him a little bit of attention. But there's not a lot of champions in his pool right now in which you want him to be the star. You know, they've tried some set games. I don't think it worked. I, I don't think of him as a, a kind of 
super hard carry right now. So that feels like a little bit of um, a polarizing champion, I think. Like, even even uh, in the beginning when people were still figuring him out, I think he had this, like, high ceiling, low floor. And it feels like now that he's no longer, quote-unquote, the new champion, it still feels like that's persisted, and that's unusual. Well, you know, he's very much, uh, you know, like a Darius type. I mean, that's how Riot's described him, is as a bruiser. And bruisers are the kinds of champions in which, well, if you win lane early, you're doing great. And if you don't, then things suck. Right now, he's 0-2 on set, uh, and he's lost on Kled, which was another lane dominant. He's 3-1 on Aatrox, um, which has been, you know, when you put him on a safe lane, and he's able to uh, hold his own in that way, uh, things go very well. The, the problems come in when you're forcing him to be more of this solo carry, more of this uh, split-pushing threat. He has not been able to form that kind of map pressure, and when he tried on Kled, he got exposed in a pretty big way. I, I feel like, I know he's not a huge fan of it, but I feel like there are other champions that they can stick him on that he should be able to island it up. Like, I want to see more Orn play, for instance. Orn's and just getting banned. That's I, more of I mean, a, it is. Orn's ban rate it is, is but huge there are, right uh, there are other champions that I think can kind of come in and, and fill that gap a little bit, right? Like, he's played against, like, even against that fin in the Fnatic game. He played against a Zac. Like, why not do something like that? You know, I think there are big potato tanks that he's not grabbing because he doesn't want to or the team doesn't think he will work well on, is my point. So I, I shouldn't say this because this is uh, not going to help my team to <laughs> say this. <laughs> I don't know that his champion pulls that deep, my dude. I don't think he can pull off uh, maybe Zach that's the, problem. the way that Bwipo... But, but let's, let's compare and contrast uh -huh. to the other team that are currently vying for that spot. Now, this is the team that I did believe was going to be maybe right about here in this position, and it's Mad Lions. Yeah. Um... You know, like mm. let's let's talk about them. Let's talk about this team and why they're in the position they are currently. I think that this is a team that has been able to pull off a couple of surprise victories. They beat Fnatic in one game. They beat G2 this last week. Like, how the heck did that happen? Like, th these are the wins that you don't expect to get, and that's going to be the difference maker if we come to tiebreakers, well, and we are certainly heading for tiebreakers. Well, G2's lost three of their last four games, and I think true. it is important true, true, true. to say, like... But not a lot of teams have beaten them in the first round, Robin. Well, I think that... When you look at specifically the last couple weeks, uh, G2 seems to have had a really big problem with the latest patch. I think that they've got some um, some things they need to work out there. I will say Mad Lions are an interesting one to me. I think right now they're doing well because their team fighting is very good. Um, if you look at their stats, they've done a really good job on dragon control. And that's a speaking to the bot lane, right? I think... When we looked at this team in the season, we t we pointed to Karzi as the guy that was going to be the big player. And you were like, that doesn't fill me with confidence. But... I didn't like the idea of him being a number one threat. It turns out he's just fine as a number one threat. Uh, he's been doing very well with that. Because this is a meta in which dragon control is so important, you have to spend that's, time on that meta. That's been a big evolution in this yeah. meta. Like, like, elemental drakes are just kind of ridiculous. We went from season nine where solo laners were everything to now the bot lane yeah. holds so much... If you can get those early drakes, if I mean, you can get there to that are some drakes dragon. that are more valuable to take than a random baron, and like that, that kind of really tells you all you need to know about the state of the game. But I will say this for Mad Lions, I think there is a good chance that this team is not as good as we think they are, and here's my reasoning. Oh boy, here if we go. If you look at early game rating, which mm, is no, he's a popped open. He's popped open the Oracle's Elixir, got, ladies I've and gentlemen. I've got my Oracle's Elixir ready to go, right? So if you look at early game rating, which is a measurement of the likelihood of a team winning a game based on their performance in the first 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Right We're now, getting baseball stats, though. Mad Lions are 7th in the LEC at 42.6. Um, they're currently, they do much better than that, obviously, but they're currently down, on average, almost 1,000 so gold at the 15 minutes. what this is minimum. telling me 
is that the old splice problem of we don't do anything until late game is back. Right. And I think that when teams get a better sense of their identities and become more decisive, I think the Mad Lions are going to have a bigger and bigger problem. I don't think that it's necessarily absolute. I, I think when you point to wins against teams like G2... They've had fast ones. They've, they've had some good ones. But I think that um, in general, uh, it is very exploitable. I think as individuals, I think they can be taken advantage of. And I think in a best of five, that's going to be a big we, problem for them to get a hold of. We will see. By the way, you know who has the number one early <laughs> game rating in Europe? Uh, let me guess. Your boys? Rogue with yeah. 70.5, which for the record, if you're pointing to a team that is underperforming right now, if Rogue figures out how this whole team Wait fighting thing minute. works. Wait a minute. This sounds like spin. I'm just saying <laughs> both of these teams, like you, you look at them, you're saying they're the five, six spot. What's the difference between the two of them? Well, yeah. historically, it is a lot easier to take a team that is already building leads in the early game because of their skill and teach them how to hold on to it than it is to then have a team so, that is historically falling behind basically constantly catch back Basically, these teams have opposite problems, which is interesting because they actually sit in the same spots, right? Yeah. So, yes, you can definitely make the argument that Mad Lions are kind of overperforming giving their early game and Rogue are underperforming giving their early game. Now, that doesn't mean that trends won't suddenly just reverse and teams will catch up one way or the other. I mean, we also don't know if these other teams will improve their issues. Like, it's a constant state of flux, but it is an interesting conflux yeah. of strengths and weaknesses that have the exact same record. That's kind of crazy. The history says that the teams that start with the better early game, historically, the, eventually the middle to late game gets sorted out more often than teams yeah. with bad early games suddenly turn things around. And and so far, the only teams with worse early game ratings than Mad Lions are the three worst teams in the league. And it's not that different. Like, SK Gaming's only at a 41.7. That's another team, by the way, I point to. Like, they should not be as bad as they are. They yeah, are not a 2-8 But let's let's not talk about them, because I think the much more interesting thing to talk about <laughs> to wrap up the LEC... Misfits? It, it better well, be Misfits. I mean, it's it's the fact that we have a four-way we were... tie at the top. And obviously, there's different reasons for teams being there. But Misfits is the biggest surprise of them all. Yeah, we were wrong about Misfits. We were absolutely wrong about Misfits. We put this team in the freaking doldrums. And they come back, and they start tearing it... The the heck up i believe my words before the season were this team has no idea what they're doing what is going on this makes no sense they're wasting all this time uh i am boo boo the fool uh which is a reference that now <laughs> you get ellis, yes. thank you Lindsay ellis uh, um, oh gosh do i have to link in the description do you not of course i mean the, pro well, the problem is like do I, what video do I link? Because she uses Game it all the time, and then you have yeah, but that's like an hour and a half video. So what show the first look? The important thing do I have is to not stamp this. No. Okay. Good. You just you literally just put the thing and let people decide what they want to watch. You are providing yeah. information. You're so not forcing them. I, I, I but you should to, watch by the way because yeah, Lindsay Ellis's videos well, are really before good. Before we go down a, down a rabbit hole that is wonderful, but not what this podcast is about. Um, let's talk about specifically who we're wrong about because. We've been kind of on the, we doubted 80 carries or we got hyped on 80 carries unnecessarily. And uh, wouldn't you know it, Bavoy, not that bad. Yeah, turns out that Bavoy Sometimes guy. Sometimes random Koreans are good. Man, it really does just, it almost. Sometimes scouting works. It almost makes me mad because literally <laughs> everything that we know about League of Legends, like what it takes to make a good team says, you don't run sing solo Korean teams. You don't just recruit guys. Like, the last time we did this, it was police, right? Like, that's what you're supposed to get when you make this well, move. Well, who says we're supposed to get it? I feel like sometimes 
you toss a coin, you know? And we just got unlucky okay. a few times. Nine times out of ten, if you do a solo career at a random guy off the street, it has not worked out I well. I mean, Trick worked really well. Trick was not a solo... He wasn't he a solo wasn't, when he first he came wasn't, on. He wasn't well known. Not as No, not a solo in the team, but he but wasn't... There's he was no other well Korean on no, this you're, roster. You're right. you're I'm right. just saying. Right. Like, that's this shouldn't work. This roster, it makes no sense that it works. But uh, congratulations, because it totally does. Um, and, and you know what? Like, Bavoy obviously is going to get a lot of the credit. Um, but I think Denik needs to get a lot of credit, too. Well, I mean, behind every great AD carry is a support. And I, I think they've, they've done well to do it. Now, are they, the, are they the, the main reason, in your opinion, that they're doing so well? Like, I think Febivin's not been bad. Well, here's the thing. Which is a pleasant surprise, you I think. Need, you need Febivin to be good for this team. To, for it to bet. Because Gearb's too good, right? If you don't have a mid laner, mid laner's too important of a position. Holding the mid lane map, holding that tier one turret is too important. But he still got it, and that's the important thing. He's like, doing we, great. We doubted. We thought NA had made him soft. No, it only made him hungry. Well, to be fair, he also had a bad split, I believe, in Europe, right? In between those two things. Yeah, like, we, wasn't don't, there... we, don't, we don't talk about that. Okay, that, cool. that was the dark age. Just making sure. Yeah, um, yeah. But look, he looked great. And I will say this for Misfits, like this is exactly the meta they want, right? If your strength is in your bot lane, and your strength is in uh, roaming mid lane or able to set up all those dragons, this is what this team is designed to do. Um, I don't think I necessarily took that into account when I was making my predictions, and I'm not sure how much one should, right? Because by the t end of the season, who knows where we're going to be, but at least as long as things are where they are right now, it, we're pretty much, you know, th this team has a clear identity and knows what it wants to be and knows how to execute on that role, and it has young guys who are clearly listening to what their coaches have to say. And oh, by the way, the one big thing I did not give them credit for that I showed is that they've made some really good coaching changes. We brought up Amazing earlier. He's done a great job as an analyst yeah. for that team. And I think that him. Jandro um, is a guy that, you know, I didn't know basically anything about. I mean, I didn't season. I didn't know about him either. So that's why we didn't but, really go into but detail. But been, he's been in the Fanatic system for forever. And apparently he's been coaching their academy you know, that, teams. That tracks, actually. So that's... That Behind seems the like the right kind of guy to get in. So, you know what? Like, for everything that I give Misfits crap for, and they deserve a lot of it, uh, you still look at the Florida Mayhem, and they still deserve some crap uh, as an we organization. Don't, we don't talk about the Overwatch But League. they did everything right on this, and I think it is great to see. Um, I am happy to be wrong. I do think there's a risk of a honeymoon period should the top lane become relevant again. That's very true. Uh, but we are past the mid-split, and that is our catch-up for the LEC, so why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? Sounds good. Okay, let's talk about Blue. Here at the GGWP, we use Blue microphones on every episode. And I gotta say, they are so easy to use, and they sound great. That professional audio quality you're hearing right now? That's a Blue microphone. Their Yeti USB mic is the internet's most popular microphone. And they have a full line of premium headphones that deliver amazing sound with a unique and super comfortable fit. Blue's award-winning products help countless podcasters, musicians, YouTube creators, and Twitch streamers find and amplify their voices. Learn more about Blue at bluedesigns.com and use the code GGWP in their web store for a 20% discount at checkout. All right, we are back. We have uh, re-upped ourselves, got a couple of drinks. Chase, what are you having? I am drinking some Magners, some Irish cider. Uh, A.K.A. Uh, the Good Stuff. A.K.A. Hiccup Juice. <laughs> A.K.A. Hiccup Juice, apparently. 
Uh, I'm learning something new about myself with that one here. But, you know, the bubbliness is worth the trade-off 100%. I think if you just talk a little slower, it might not be as much of a problem. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay, well, fair enough. Historically, <laughs> that's, that's not is, my skill set. It is set. kind of, like, tied into your personality mm -hmm. now, isn't it? What about you? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm having an old speckled hen. We're keeping mm. it on the uh, the British Isles for sure. This is one of my favorite English beers. Um we're definitely not sponsored by these two uh, no. drinks, but it would be really nice. So if you're listening and you're representing either uh, that brewery or cidery, please hit us up. So I have a question for you. Yeah. If that's the old speckled hen, what do you think the young speckled hen tastes like? Nothing. They actually wait until it's old, uh, then they kill it, and then, you know, I guess, I assume the blood just goes into the beer, and that's how that works. Ah, okay. Um, so this isn't like a sheep lamb scenario. I don't know scenario. anything about, I don't know anything about beer. Okay. Other than what I enjoy. That's fair. I'm outing myself. I also don't know that much about <laughs> I this. actually know more than that. I'm, I'm, I'm completely bullshitting you. Mm -hmm. I've learned on several occasions and promptly forgotten how to brew because my dad's an amateur brewer. My dad was at one point as well. Hmm. Um, we should maybe know. start brewing a little bit just for funsies. Um, we could. That's I got enough room in my new place. Uh, well, that's not for the podcast. That's for something else. We'll talk about that later. That's you guys want to hear pod. about some... Yeah, well, that would, that's a great idea. But... Uh, Put a uh, cork in that one for now because we got to talk about some more esportsy stuff. And unfortunately, yes. we're opening this second half on a really frustrating note. Uh, we saw a long twit longer. Um, gosh, it was not even a week ago. Yeah. Uh, from uh, Dumbledoge, who is a fairly famous Turkish player who most recently retired. We got a little context into why. Um, and unfortunately, the short version of that story is he was made fun of for being gay. Uh, yeah. It's 2020, and this is still a problem. Homophobia is real bad, y'all. Um, it's really frustrating. Uh, you know, if you read uh, his story, uh, it's heartbreaking. It's something that I think uh, LGBT plus people will can... be We'll be linking the translated uh, version in yeah. the uh, show notes. It, it's a story you hear too often. Um, you know, just people talking behind his back in group chats. Uh, saying some very offensive things over uh, a considerable period of time, including uh, former teammate Zeitnot, which uh, was the instigating incident as far as his retirement goes. It was a fight that the two of them had when uh, Dumbledore called him out, essentially. Uh, Zeitnot denies that he was involved. He's like, sure, it says Zeitnot in that chat, but it wasn't me. He's pulled the shaggy defense right now. Mm. Meanwhile, almost every other player or figure um, has either said that they're not going to talk about it or apologized. Um, so there's enough people acknowledging that, yes, I was there and I said this and I'm sorry that like, I, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that I believe it. You don't retire with his, you know, with the history that he does loving the game as much as he does with the money that he was making as being one of part of the top team. I mean, he was so well known, dude. This was the faker killer, the original faker killer. And, right. And he was so beloved and so popular. Yeah. And you know how Riot Turkey decided to, uh, honor him is when people in the, ch and the crowd started chanting in support of Dumbledoge and to ban Zeitnot for his homophobic comments, they muted the crowd sound so that people on the broadcast could not hear that this was happening. I imagine Twitch chat probably uh, took up the call, though. I just, you know, Riot, buddies, pals, friends. Um, Riot Turkey specifically. Riot in general, because Riot also gets to have crap for the way they responded to the discrimination lawsuit well, that's yesterday. Fair. That's fair. I don't know if you saw their appeal. I mean, but these are different things, but yes. The Riot... It, it covers the same ground. You are not allowed to say that you care about these progressive issues and then act this way. If you care, Riot Games, if you truly care, you have every power to tell Riot Turkey to issue an apology. You have every power to determine 
all these things about the broadcast. You're doing nothing because you don't care, because it's turkey, and most people won't notice that you're worried about looking bad in front of, because, let's be clear, you're not worried about the super hardcore fan that would know what's going on with Riot Turkey. You care about your advertisers who don't want bad publicity. And you're not going to get bad publicity because a player in Turkey retired due to, uh, you know, homophobia. Like, it's not... That's not the kind of story that's going to get Riot in trouble, so they're not doing anything about it. And I just want you to keep that in mind when we talk about, you know, the whole rainbow activism, right? This idea of saying all the progressive things, and then when you are finally called to task to do something, this is how they respond. And Riot responded this way with this, and Riot responded by saying they were going to fight back against false narratives when it came to the gender discrimination lawsuit that they previously said, I acknowledge that they had made mistakes on and wanted to uh, to fix. Apparently now uh, that they're starting to have to pay a whole bunch of money for those mistakes, they no longer want to take... You know what would cost less than all that money? Not being jerks. Yeah, well, I was going to say firing the guy that sack-tapped everybody, I, but you know. That would also be good. But that I'm, would be nice. Um, if if Skyne, if you're listening, uh, there you go, because uh, I know that's your favorite topic. Um, yeah, it's just, it's so frustrating because... Yes, it's like one of those, oh yeah, the advertisers could get upsetty, regretty spaghetti, but it's like, guys, it's such a minimal show of effort. It's, it's such a minimal thing to do the right thing. Yeah. When when you have a whole And you clearly are securing so many freaking sponsors, you can just pick up a few more if they leave. You you do a whole bunch of marketing stuff for it, right? You did a whole thing for the the Pride Parade last year. Like you go out of your way to say that you're an ally. Well, here's the test, right? What you're going to do? Because so far, you have failed the test, and you don't have a lot of time to prove to me that you care. And I'll tell you this, having worked with Riot Turkey in the past, these guys have been corrupt and terrible towards different players and things for different reasons for years. This is not the first time Riot Turkey has screwed something up like this, and it won't be the last. Yikes. And Riot's continuation, well, they're a minor region. You know, we let the minor regions run as they will. Well, Give on to I mean, Caesar look, look, what is we've, Caesar's. We've heard, and... we've heard about CIS and Lacrit and everything. Like, God. I mean... There so is, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into like everything is shady behind the curtain, but you know, these are worrying signs and it makes you wonder is like outside of the shining citadel that is North America and you know, the lesser one that's Europe, you know, your Isengard to the Mordor, uh, what, you know, guys, mm -hmm. you, you, you want to project this image, please back it up. Like we would love you to, we want you to, um, because be, we certainly aren't going back to Blizzard to try and make have them do the right things. So. Well, and it's it would be such a huge statement in Erdogan's Turkey right now, right? Because you are talking about a country currently ruled by a strong-armed dictator who loves two other people and has criminalized a lot of the court systems. In Wait order a minute. To... What, why are we talking about the U.S.? It would be funny if it wasn't true. I swear to God, man. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> how? All right. Well, this is getting depressing. Uh, let's talk about something a little funnier, huh? Great. Yeah. Something a little bit more. Either way, <laughs> literally before, anything would be funnier. <laughs> before, we, before we move easy. on, uh -huh. uh, I, I do want to express, you know, like Dumbledore, he got did dirty. You're a fantastic player, and if you're listening, you know we stand with you. Yeah, uh, we'd love to have you on the show. Would love to talk to anyone who wants to talk about Dumbledore who knows anything about this. And, and this even is... if not, just dude, like you're awesome. We love you. Yeah. Don't stop being you. Yeah, this is near and dear to my heart. I wish you nothing but the best. I. Hey, that we're still having to deal with this in 2020, but here we are. Um, love we is love. We live in a society, love I is, guess. Love yes. is love. Love people, man. It's not hard. Empathy yeah. is the cheapest thing in the world. Absolutely. 
And uh, something that it also doesn't appear to cost much is uh, critical thinking, which people on Twitter certainly are lacking. Uh, if we Kira, go into I'm our so next tired. Story. I'm so tired. Yeah, Kevin. are you tired of uh-huh. playing the game? I'm tired of <laughs> ain't it a crying shame? Uh, that is a reference to an old movie called Blazing Saddles. You should go watch it. If you link haven't. in the description. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, I, I will put the IMDb link because if you don't know what that is, uh, a I'm old, and B you need to watch this mm. film. It's great. Um, but yeah, uh, so this is about Project A. Uh, the yeah. upcoming FPS shooter that Riot's producing that is getting a lot of buzz. Well, so much buzz that a community and advertised as community Twitter account was mistaken as a actual, like, legitimate Riot-branded Twitter account, which was then mistaken for being a fake Twitter account uh, by some influential figures in, in as well as a lot of... Hi, Theon. Uh, how you doing? Yeah, everyone makes mistakes. It's okay. We're trying not to call you up by name, but Chase just did. Um, well, no, he, I mean, his tweet <laughs> was the one that got big, and he did have to delete it. Yes. And they did have they they did have but the this project. Isn't, this isn't just about him. The point is like this well, is a lot of people rolling with the oh this is a fake Twitter account, and a bunch of people got harangued about it, and it's just it's a comedy of errors. This is like this is like a modern Shakespeare play. So there's there's two things I have to say. Completely preventable here. drama. Number one, uh, if you're going to call someone fake, you should probably click their Twitter bio first to see if there are things like satire or community led or any number You're of requiring people to read anything but the headline that doesn't happen on twitter yeah Chase. well look we, i mean how many articles have we talked about just today of like these this was satire but everyone was dunking on it as if it was legit mm-hmm. and that's like you need to have critical thinking skills and this isn't a specific call out this is like all of us as a species we are just so conditioned to see whatever fits the narrative we want to see in front of us that we don't stop to think critically and try to analyze things are you saying we live in a society? I'm saying we live in stupid land. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, uh, people that are not in stupid land anymore, uh, Valve has decided to build the LCS. Uh, that was a weird transition, but I'm going to roll with it. Yeah, so uh, let, let, me just, let me just get this out of the way. As we transition, Valve is adding regional leagues after TI-10. Yes. Um, if I can quote uh, the dude from StarCraft Two, it's about time. Yeah, you know, it's it's nice to see Dota 2 continuing to copy from League of Legends, clearly. <laughs> that was a joke I think Slasher Ice, made. Ice, Ice Frog is just, like, rolling around. God, that not was... Not in his grave, because he's not dead, but, like, that metaphor applies. So funny. Look, I... It, this is... I mean, they literally... You will link the uh, official blog post in the description, but they've literally made the old school of the LCS, all of these regions, China, Southeast Asia, CIS, Europe, South America, North What's America. What's next, Chase? Team houses? <laughs> let's not get great no but i mean <laughs> but let's be clear uh this is this is actually quite huge because with dota this is a esports team that has very much been the haves and have nots right well, you only see I mean, if you're not a hardcore dota fan you know dota exists once a year and it's called the international well even okay let's say we talk about all the majors there are like six majors a year and then the ti right yeah. that's seven tournaments that have realistically the kind of prize pools that draw in the best teams and the eyeballs not a lot of opportunities not a lot of openings. Like, if you win, you win big. And if you lose, you only have so many chances. And so what ends up happening is all these teams have done dissolving all the time. You can't, if you didn't win, you well, can't afford to stick together. the one dissolved. I mean, this was a common joke for years and years and years. Like, especially, uh, you know, when you had a lot of, like, the high-end Chinese teams. Like, Newbie, if I recall correctly, I think, were famous, uh, famously won and then just totally dissolved into nothing. And it's like, this is the team that won the international. Mm-hmm. It's it's very hard when you don't have that stability in which if you're not 
performing at these big events. There's nothing to keep you afloat. Now, guess what? Leagues give you a safety net. Leagues give you definitive income. These eight teams that are in, because these are 18 leagues that are yeah. going to be there. At, at least having a regular competition, like it's so good for many reasons. You get, yes, you'll get salaried pay. Even if it's a tournament series, there's at least chances to like earn more money. Yeah. But having regular play keeps eyeballs on you. And when eyeballs are on you, people are watching, people know who you are, you're getting interaction, you're getting click-throughs, you're getting a chance to showcase your skill. Guess what? You're getting chances for sponsorships. You're getting chances for activation. So it's great for the players, it's great for the teams, it's great for the sponsors. And having more games is good. And Thank you for figuring that out, Valve. Yeah, look, and now we have lower divisions too. They're already starting with systems like the Challenger system in mind. So we're gonna have a semi-pro scene that has gotten no attention now has some more stability to it, such that you could at least exist, especially in some of these regions that have a little bit more historic success. I think this is huge for the stability of the scene. And um, the one thing I will say, hey, hey, Riot, if Dota has leagues and the crowdfunding international prize pool, what's going to be your excuse for not doing a compendium in 2020? They're going to spend it all on making an even more impressive KDA music video. I... Okay, that's fair. I'm willing to make that trade. Yeah. You know what? I, 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 I will too. As long as you involve Soyun, that is very important. Soyun is worth whatever... K-pop shenanigans podcast bleeding over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, check also, it out. Also, shout out to our sister podcast, the K-pop shenanigans podcast run by Chase Mossenar and friends. Yes. Just uh, just wrapped up our uh, best of the year for 2019 podcast. Mm -hmm. Hopefully out soon. TMCR. Um, but yeah, look. Uh, shout out to Valve. This is a good move. It's a move that's been a long time coming and I think it will make things better for basically everybody. And it's yeah. rare that that happens, but I'm here for it. Well, you know, like it's, I think just the biggest surprise for me is the fact that it's it's Valve committing to doing so much because as much as Valve is, is a widely loved game developer, as an esports tournament organizer, they've always left something to be desired. They create incredible things when they care to. The International is always an impressive show, mm -hmm. but they just, they care so rarely. And yeah. it's nice to see them actually put their money where their mouths are and say, you know what? Dota deserves a year-round esports scene. I think they're seeing this, and I think when you're seeing the franchising movements that are happening in CSGO, I think the one thing that everyone has learned, whether it's you know the League of Legends or the Overwatch League or even the Call of Duty League right now, these teams, if you want the money, if you want the biggest names investing in your game, they want to know that they're going to be around for the foreseeable future and that that in time and investment will be worth it. And it's nice to see Valve giving people reasons to do that. It's it's funny. It's like every iteration of franchising has done things slightly better so far because you had the Overwatch League that had a big old buy-in and not a whole lot of what's happening in the future. And we know exactly where that's going. Uh, Riot, Riot did it a lot better. I think CSGO is doing it in a way that keeps it more interesting on the regular. I, I will remind you that LCS and Overwatch League franchising happened simultaneously. That uh, was not yeah, one well, learning on, from on, the hold other. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. Overwatch League announced it and didn't have a league for a whole year. That lit a fire under Riot's butt, mark my words. I think what lit a fire under Riot's butt is that the North American owners were threatening to revolt against them. I but, think that would, but maybe would they, had a would little they have, bit more. Would they have cared as much if there hadn't been this giant $20 million per team behemoth yes. out of nowhere saying, hey, we're doing franchising, ha ha, that's us. Yes. We could talk. So you think this would have been inevitable? Okay, fair enough. We could talk. Yeah, we got it. We got an afterpod podcast or something. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, either way, I think it's 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 interesting and it's a good thing to see this like 
to see franchising really taking hold everywhere and it's extending to other things like, you know, having an actual set of regional leagues for your tournament series. Uh, so yes, big mm -hmm. shout out to Valve. Um, another uh, another esport that you know I think is going to be interesting to talk about in coming months and coming years uh, is going to be Halo esports. Yeah. Um, and this one is 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 interesting because the prod company or uh, Halo esports have announced that uh, they have hired Esports Engine, the production company that is made up of, uh, if I recall correctly, a lot of former uh, MLG employees yes. to uh, run the tournaments going forward. Which you know, while that sounds like maybe is is not massive news on the surface runs oh, a lot deeper. Oh, this is so huge, guys. I mean, look, Halo Esports has existed to this point. It has never been like the biggest esport. It hasn't even been the biggest console esport uh, thanks to Call of Duty. And it's been, you know, uh, whether it was Microsoft is pretty in particular, like it's been hard to get them to fully invest in an independent esports. So which thinks Cloud9 shouldn't be a part of Halo Esports going well, back to the beginning. Well, now I would say that they that it would be a pretty solid investment because now it's going to be under uh, an esports engine, which is run by Adam Apicella. Apicella. I'm not exactly sure. I've never heard his name pronounced, but he is Acapella. He is an old MLG. Thank you. There's an old MLG guy. Uh, he is known for expanding the StarCraft, Smash Bros, CSGO, Halo, and Call of Duty scenes back in the day. He was part of the original MLG movement that really put esports on the map. Western-wise. In the West, especially for shooters. And Halo is the perfect example of a Western shooter that he understands real well. And it's great to see... 343 Industries working hand-in-hand -hand with these guys with esports in mind from the get-go with two things in mind one making sure that the game is esports ready and in a place where they think it's going to make for dynamic entertainment and two uh, which, which is something by the way Microsoft said in other places as well when you talk about like why they did the deal with Cloud9 like they want to create a perfect esports game I'm not sure how the math adds up with that but like this is clearly them they're clearly ambitious they're prioritizing think, it. by the way this it, it goes back to our conversation it's it's good to see Traditional tech giant companies getting genuinely interested in esports, not slapping their name on a brand and calling it a day, uh, actually getting involved. And, you know, Microsoft is very much tied in with gaming, uh, not just because of Halo. Like, they have had their own game studios uh, in multiple ways. And, you know, once upon a time, Bungie and all that. Obviously, that's that's a big Halo thing. Well, but, you know, th this, these are the guys that make the freaking Xbox. And you know what's, uh, what's great is that Halo Infinite is coming to the PC as well, right? So oh, yeah. that opens up a lot Definitely of Definitely not on Mac, the, though. Well, <laughs> that's, yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah, I have a laptop. Imagine using Macs for gaming. Imagine complaining that games don't come out on Macs. Look, I moved and my stuff is on a boat going through mm -hmm. Hong Kong right now, okay? Mm -hmm. So... You're getting very defensive here. Yeah. Yeah. I feel attacked, that's why. <laughs> Look, I will say, TFT runs perfectly fine on Mac, and that's mm. all I need. That's... That is a theory. A game theory. <laughs> kidding, for the love of God. Matt don't Pat, please don't sue us. No, please don't. And <sighs> and don't, don't. You you deserve better people listening at home. Don't... You, you have that better... That was the fastest, time. like, self-indulgence to, like, self-callout I think I've ever seen. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, you just got so excited and then you were so immediately ashamed of yourself. You're like a dog that tears up all the trash in the garbage because the owner's gone and then just immediately upset with himself. Well, there was just this moment where I realized <laughs> that there were people listening who wouldn't realize I was making that reference sarcastically. So I really have to you go were out of my it way. Sarcastically? Oh yeah, it still's terrible. <laughs> oh, absolutely. One of the, it's it's everything wrong with YouTube gaming oh, content. We're not going to get into that now, but oh, God. yeah, no, not good. 
Okay. But that's just a theory. No, no, stop, a stop, stop, chase stop. theory. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's the name of the episode. Um, all right. Well, I, thought, I thought that this was the, but the day Chase did. Uh, let's the... talk about things that give me brain hurt uh, on the subject. <laughs> uh, Infinity Ward. Yeah. They don't like. They don't like that their game has esports. Um, Chase, do you want to tell me why during a recent tournament they dropped a patch mid-event? I would love to tell you why. Uh, the answer is they don't like esports. This has been very fascinating to talk to you again. I'm going to give a shout out to the Unicorn writer Jordan Marnie because he's been following the Call of Duty League for us. Uh, this is something that Infinity Ward's talked about for a while, actually. Like before Modern Warfare, the new one came out. They did an interview in which they said that they thought esports was ruining game design, in which they believe that the desire to design around competitiveness is taking away from um, good game design in, in like uh, how uh, the pace of it needs to go, about how you have to balance around these top players. It was a very like, yeah, it's a lot of that, right? And so I'm making a lot of confused faces for those of you at home. So everything I've heard is that this company is basically actively trying to sabotage the esports scene. Because they feel like they've been forced into it and they don't care. And they don't want to care. So one of that thing includes dropping a patch mid-tournament. Can I, can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. Now this isn't to you. This is to the Infinity War deck. Yeah. Have you guys heard of single player campaigns? Because <laughs> um, you know, that's a great place to implement all of the design choices that aren't affected by competitiveness in, I don't know, a freaking competitive mode. <laughs> no, you don't understand. See, you're not allowed, you're, it's supposed to be competitive, but like in the old school of competitive where like no one complained because you didn't have an avenue in which to do so. See, those mean uppity people pointing to the bad esports moments is like, hey, you should fix your game. Like that sounds a lot like accountability and that seems bad. Obviously. So Infinity Ward are like boomer devs where they're like, I wish Twitter didn't exist. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's like, that is the way that it's described to me whenever I talk to Jordan is that this is a company that just doesn't want esports so to exist. This feels bad for the COD League, but mm -hmm. not, not because of what they've done to themselves, but because they're chained to the developers that are hostile to their efforts. I don't well, think I've ever heard of a situation where the game's developers are outright hostile to the esports effort. Well, and this is where Call of Duty gets funny, right? Because Treyarch develops the other half of the Call of Duty games and loves esports. So you have a company... Bit of a Jekyll and Hyde scenario there. Right. So, hey, Blizzard. Blizzard. Buddies. Pals. Clearly, we have such a friendly relationship up until this point. Um, so we can, we can talk on this kind of casual basis here. Um, why did you launch the league with a company that doesn't like you? Like, like, you had two developers. You could have picked the developer that makes games and likes esports and wants to develop it. Or you could have made it so that you like had clear rules that Infinity Ward had to follow to bolster your like why would you ask people to spend twenty five million dollars when you know your developer is not willing to do the bare I, minimum I, to ensure I basic I, stability I, I and decency? I think I have an answer to this, Chase. I don't think they thought that through. I think they couldn't see uh, the problems because there was a giant pile of money that in the way. That doesn't seem great. No, but I still blame Infin Infinity Ward more than I blame Blizzard for this one because like how you have to be a special kind of petty to do that. Sure. And, you know, and look, I too don't think it was great that we but went into we, Atlanta the Atlanta homecoming weekend this weekend without knowing whether the event was going to even happen. I mean, also, Tournament Realm is a thing that yeah, we should probably talk they, about they more. They don't. But it was bugged. Yeah, that's, that's an, yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing is, like, like, let's, what are the other signs of this kind of thing happening, too, before we well, get to the Well, they don't have an official tournament mode. But I mean, like, 
So we talked like, about how the devs, we you know, the devs don't like the word uh-huh. on the street is the devs don't like the esports scene. But like, uh-huh. apart from dropping a patch in the middle of the tournament, which is bad, right? What else? Have not they done? creating a tournament realm. There I mean, is no tournament realm. It doesn't okay. exist. So that's, like, that's on Blizzard for not forcing no, them to do it. There's no land thing, which is why when the like the bug, uh, the client bug was there, it was going to submarine the entire esports event because you literally could not make lobbies, and there's no way to do it because they refused to make a way to do so in an offline way so like basic stuff that they just don't also have not their... great for a giant franchise league with a huge buy-in also the map design isn't very great for esports i mean i understand that like you know in all fairness from what i hear from call of duty people the map design isn't good in general but it's particularly not good for esports because it's a slower game than i think what a lot of people are used to when you think about the best call of duty maps hmm. and so uh i think there's definitely been a lot of frustrations there. I know players are frustrated. Players have talked about how they keep reaching out to Infinity Ward trying to talk about balance issues and Infinity Ward either ignores them or straight up rejects that they have anything meaningful to say, just refuses to work with them. Like openly saying like, we don't care about your input on this. We have our own numbers, so. Yeah, that seems bad. Yeah, it's not great. And again, you know, if only um, this was something that was considered before you asked people to spend $25 million. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I promise. Well, Chase. $25 million? Okay. Okay. You got any more? No, I think. Okay. Well. 20. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's funny you mentioned large sums of money because you were willing to offer uh, a large sum of money, if I recall. Um, this is this is a we're touching back on an old topic. Wait a second. We don't normally cover this type of thing anymore, but I felt it very important to talk about because you got very excited about it, tweeted about it this week. Uh, once upon a time, listeners, uh, veteran listeners of the show, um, eagle-eared listeners, if you will, will recall uh, Chase talking about a movie that he was having a hard time locating. It was a a very esoteric film by the name of Hamlet, the Vampire Slayer, and I believe he offered that what was it, a fifty dollar bounty to anyone who could locate a copy. Well, Chase, you managed to procure one directly from one of the guys that made it. Do you want to talk a little bit about this film and how excited you are for it? This may be one of my proudest accomplishments in my entire life, which is really sad for the record. But I managed to find this film, which I have not been able to find for over half a decade at this point. Um, Hamlet the Vampire Slayer is a film with a $5,000 budget. A film that... Uh, had gotten reviewed. How many, how many Call of Duty League spots could you buy with that? Uh, one in one. Let's see. So two is ten thousand. Yeah. So that means twenty would be a hundred thousand, which means two hundred would be a million. So two hundred times twenty-five. Okay. So. So that's. F- four, uh, yeah. Wow, math is four, terrible. Four thousand plus like uh, hundred twenty-five. Four thousand one hundred twenty-five. Yeah. So one in four thousand something that you could buy. Yeah. Well. I was it's going not, somewhere with that, but not not a lot. It's not, not a lot of money. It's not good. It's not a lot of money. Um, and yet uh, they made uh, a movie that is absolutely uh, absurd and ridiculous and terrible, but in all of the really fun ways. Um, and I haven't like been able to find it. Uh, worse. Ooh, I can't wait to see this. Oh, I I, I will put it this way. Uh, I showed it to Nick Garassi from uh, Invin again, friend of the pod, and his review was: "This is the worst movie I've ever seen. I mean, it is absolutely awful, and I loved it." And that's really what we're talking about here. And so I could not find this for years. It got pulled from Amazon. It originally had been something I'd rented for like $2. Because I said to myself, do I really want to own Hamlet the Vampire Slayer? Turns out Which, the answer is yes. Yeah, absolutely. The answer was yes. That was very naive of college me. 
um, whoops on that. So I've spent years trying to track it down. And you're going to be surprised to hear, but Hamlet the Vampire Slayer was not the kind of thing that the internet memorialized. You know, like we think about like the internet saves everything, but like only if people knew it existed. And Hamlet the Vampire Slayer was never remotely... it's, It's too niche for anyone to have actually known about but you. So I spent years trying to track this down. I mean, literal years on and off, constantly looking for, you know, eBay listings or, you know, way, you know, whatever, uh, like daily motion type stuff, anything I could find. And you eventually, know it's bad if you're going to daily motion. eventually, about a month ago, I found a blog post that had been written eight years ago from the writer of the film. And I used that to find uh, his username, to find his former Twitter account, which allowed me to find his new Twitter account, which allowed me to tag him on Twitter, reach out to confirm his identity, and he agreed to uh, to send me a copy, which I now have. And I, I've seen this copy. I, I'm really excited to watch this with you. We need to wait until Magical is uh, healthy again to uh, watch with I, us. I think we might have to do a little a little post uh, post watch review. I did say I, I did see it for the first time in half a decade, and let me tell you, it's worse than I remembered. Oh boy. It's just incredible. I I I have such a fondness for this film. Like there are clear moments where like cuz cuz the thing that makes it lovable to me is like they clearly knew and loved Hamlet. Like there's actually a really good understanding of what they're adapting. It's just that everything else is so awful. Like every so it's other like, it's decision like, it's is like, nonsensical. It's like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. It's like it's not a bad story but they decided to add something completely extraneous to it just to see what would happen. Kind of, but again, $5,000 budget. And I really cannot stress enough, like, The Room had a million-dollar budget or something similar. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it just goes to show you, you you can make art with any dollar sign. I think that is the highest compliment that Hamlet the Vampire Slayer has ever received. I haven't even seen it yet, baby, but hey, (laughs) that is our episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And hopefully Magical gets well soon. We'll see him on the next podcast. But until then, say goodbye, Jen. $25 million! (laughs) Goodbye, Jen.